right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, today's going to be powerful. Absolutely. And just a little quiz. I'm not sure if the 10 o'clock is going to be a little more enthusiastic than the 8.15. I feel like it might be. I just feel like it might be. I'm starting every service this morning uh, talking about the dream that's in Danielle and I's heart uh, for the 20s for our church, the Roaring 20s. And so I want to read this thing that I wrote on the 1st of January 2020 this year about what we see for the future of our church. I see our church in a season of revival. And if you like, just to help you out how to respond here, just because, you know, I know we're not an African-American church, but if you want to go, uh, mm-hmm, you can do that, okay. If you want to go, uh, uh, yeah, amen. If you want to uh, preach it, whatever, just, just so you can help us get here. Are we ready to go? All right, I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, young people being apprehended for the call of God. I see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people saved across a weekend. I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up, and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There is a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. I see us established in our new premises on Power Road. It's a landmark facility. This will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echo across the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. I see new church locations starting with Melbourne in 2020. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. I see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. I see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting edge marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, media, sport, entertainment, education, business, and more. Entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership, and wealth creation. I see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There is a breakthrough anointing on our church. People get healed in their seats during worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. And I see us being known for kindness in our community. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those who are in need. I see us as a haven of love, hope, and acceptance for all, radiating God's love into our community and beyond. And if you agree, why don't you give the Lord some praise? C3 Powerhouse in the 20s. Awesome. All right. Well, today... It's going to be a powerful day. This morning and tonight, it's our night of power tonight, which is our longest service where we make room for the supernatural power of God to move. If you need a miracle, if you need healing in your body, you need to just get on fire again because you've lost your fire, get in and be here tonight as well. Uh, We're in week three of this series called It's Time breaking intimidation. It's time breaking intimidation. And I'm going to give a quick recap, not too long. I want to encourage you to listen to the last couple of weeks, maybe over and over as you get, as you break intimidation. First of all, intimidation is a demonic spirit and strategy that robs us of godly confidence and stops us entering into God's best 
for our life. God's got greater levels of blessing and influence for your life and intimidation will stop you from moving into that future life. By the way, I just see Beck and Falinga with you baby Lennox in church. It's so great to see you guys with your little bubby. Congratulations on baby number two. Which my, Lennox has been stolen already by my wife who's prophesying over him in the front row. All right, okay, intimidation is based, sorry, a little detour, I just saw you guys. It's based on lies that we believe about God and about ourselves and others. These lies cause us to shrink back or disqualify ourselves when God is trying to bring us into a new season of blessing or influence that He's got for us as our good Father and He wants to partner with us to enlarge the kingdom of God. We need to recognize those lies and repent for believing them or agreeing with the lies that He's tried to put on us. Usually these lies can either be in our mind from a comment or a moment that someone's made and bounce around in our head with a spirit, or they get in our heart because of things that have happened in our upbringing, and they've, as Lisa shared about a little bit earlier, and they get written across our heart, and so it becomes our subconscious thinking about ourselves. We don't see it as a lie, we just think that's who I am, but the spotlight of heaven is on the lies of the enemy that we believe to get us set free. Uh, so now what I'm encouraging is a four-step journey. There's a booklet that we've been handing out. You can get it at the door today if you don't have it. And it's four steps we've already talked about, recognizing and repenting of believing the lies that have come against us, repenting of the action that we've participated in as a result of those lies. So for me, when I went on this six-month journey that radically transformed my life, I repented for believing the lie that I'm inferior. Uh, and then I, I then also began to repent of things like being critical of others and comparing myself with others, which are sin. And so then I would release people who had bullied me as a teenager, release them from, uh, from my judgment so that I could get forgiven. Because what often happens is the lies that have been written on our hearts are embedded in deep wounds that we've received from other people. And so the key to getting the lie out is often the key to getting uh, the wound getting healed from our heart. And we try to, if we try and get rid of the lie without forgiveness, that thing will just stay in. So we've got to do those things together. It takes courage. It takes time. It will be painful while you're doing it because you're letting pain come up that we've tried to suppress. But ultimately, it's like a wound that never heals and it's poisons under the surface. You live with the pain, but you're better to have some short-term pain to get that thing out, get the antiseptic of the Holy Spirit oil on the inside and to get free. All right, it's better for that. So the second step is the forgiveness journey. And you know that you're free when you can imagine that person and can smile and pray blessing on them. You don't see a photo of them and get triggered or a, a related experience and get triggered. That's when you know you're free. So today we're talking about the third step of the journey. It's, it's called either renounce or rebuke or resist, whatever you want to call it. I want to call today eviction day. We're going to evict some things that have been hanging around our lives for a period of time. And we're going to get free from the spirit of intimidation, which is a demonic strong man, comes against our lives and the other associated evil spirits or demons that work alongside of it. We're going to look at four questions this morning about demons. I want us to understand them. First of all, what are they? Second, how do they work? Third, how do I identify them? And four, and most importantly, how do I get rid of them? 
So let's talk about this. What are they? Demons are evil spirits. So they don't have a body. You can't see them. They're not physically evident. They are like angels, but they're dark angels. They operate around our lives. Jesus said he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The Bible tells us that, he, uh, that the devil fell with a third of the stars, meaning a third of the angels of heaven who have been uh, either sent to hell or who are in this earth harassing people. These demons have a clear authority structure and a code of conduct. They operate in levels of a hierarchy. We see it in Ephesians 6 verse 12. There are principalities, there are powers, there are rulers, and there's a host of of spiritual darkness. They operate like that. They hate God and they hate you and me because we are made in the image of God. And they want to stop us living for God and worshiping God. That, that's the thing that drives them the craziest. Uh, Jesus talked about the devil in John 10 verse 10, and he says this, the thief or the devil does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But in contrast, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. So we've got the two sides. Spirits, evil spirits or demons can possess people. They can control people. Uh, they, they, you, you don't have to be possessed to struggle against demons. They can come against you. They can harass you. They can oppress you. They can torment you. They can energize us towards sin and energize our flesh towards things that are going to separate us from God. I've had numerous experiences. I've never seen a demon specifically, but I've had many experiences of seeing people get set free from them or encountering them. One of the most memorable and powerful for me was a day after my father passed away. Danielle came to to be with me and our little daughter, Gemma, who was a little baby. And we slept in the house where my dad had been, I think in the room where he'd been before he died. And in the middle of the night after he died, uh, I had this shocking uh, nightmare where I was on a car going around a corner and it just kept flying out in, into nowhere and I woke up with, with terror and with a real sense of darkness in the room. Exactly as I, when I woke up at that time, our daughter Gemma, who would be, I don't know, one or two years old, little baby, uh, she starts having this like an asthma attack, except she does, hasn't had and never had asthma. She's like, <gasps> she can hardly breathe. We begin to freak out. What's going on? We can feel an evil presence in the room, but we're like, we don't want our daughter to die right now. Should we ring the ambulance? What's going on? I get awakened and the Holy Spirit sort of prompts me, this is not physical, this is spiritual. It's a spiritual thing causing a physical symptom, and that's often what can happen. A spiritual thing can cause a physical symptom. A spiritual thing can cause an emotional thing or a mental thing. And so we began to pray in the Spirit, rise up and take authority. And I just began to say, in the name of Jesus, I come against every demon in this room. I come against every tormenting spirit. I come against the spirit of death. And after a minute of just praying strongly, the thing left. Peace came back to the room. She stopped having this asthmatic attack and we all went back to sleep. And I realized what had been happening is there'd been something had been harassing or tormenting my father. And then when he had died, it could no longer harass him because when someone moves on, so that thing wants to go to someone else. That's how generational curses work. They're like, well, now dad's gone. I'm going to go down to the next one. And so it tried to land on us, but we resisted it. All right. So that, that was just an experience to help you understand. 
Many of you, have, you might have experienced a haunted house or someone's talked about things moving. That's because the demonic realm is real. The world's fascinated with the supernatural realm, the demonic realm. Movie after movie has, a, has an edge to it around this stuff. And so uh, if you read about Jesus, you realize that probably one third of his ministry for three years was teaching about the kingdom of heaven and it coming to earth and how to live in the, in the new kingdom. About a third of it was healing people and about a third of it was casting out demons. And so the church, we've got that role to teach, to preach, to heal, and to cast out demons. And we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't sort of try and sweep it under the, par- under the carpet because it's not socially acceptable. Tell you what, just go to the movies and you'll see what's socially acceptable. So you've only got to watch the news to realize that there are things that happen in our world that you cannot think are human type of things. You see horrible things and you go, that's inhuman. That's not, that's, that's not natural. What's going on? And you realize that the driver energizing some terrible behavior of greed, of lust, of anger and violence can only be something outside of the human being that's driving sin in our lives. But here's the good news that I've got for us today. I want us to understand, but here's the good news. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God, Jesus, manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was made known to destroy the works, to bring judgment on the devil. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. Wouldn't that be a good description of C3 Powerhouse? They did good, and they healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Uh, Jesus had followers going around. Certain women had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. One was Mary called Magdalene because she was from Magna. And she was out of whom had come seven demons. So they'd seen seven demons leave this woman. She was such a transformed life. She traveled around with Jesus supporting his ministry. Okay, so this is very normal part of of the Bible. As a Christian, if you're a believer, you will encounter spiritual warfare. It's not a if or one day Possibly it's an absolutely 100%. The moment you, get, you give your life to Christ, you become a, a target for the enemy to discourage you, deceive you, distract you, so that you fall out of relationship with God or get disconnected from His church, His house. So if you're advancing the kingdom of God, you're going to come up against spiritual opposition. Jesus said, I'll build my church and I'll come up against the gates of hell. They won't prevail. So therefore, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to get used to spiritual warfare. That's what I want to equip you for here today. I want you to understand what's going on. And I want, I want us to not be a generation of Homer Simpson Christians. Sitting on the couch, watching TV, drinking beer, going, duh, I don't know what's going wrong. I want to stir us up to get off the couch, to get into the prayer closet, to stir ourselves up and take victory that Jesus has already given us. Say goodbye to the Homer kind of life. Somebody, come on, I'm preaching for someone today. I want to equip you to win the fight. Uh, I I want you to realize spiritual warfare will always be there. The tactics will change. The targets will change. The direction it's coming from it will change. But if you're making a difference for the kingdom of God, warfare is how it goes. So we just got to get used to it and learn to live on top of it. I want you to know today you were built for this. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. You are an overcomer by the nature of Jesus Christ inside of you. All right. We're doing all right. 
That's what they are. How do they get access into our lives? Demons can dominate us. Uh, they can overwhelm us uh, for, for a few reasons because we're ignorant. We're actually like, oh, no, that just happens in the Eastern religion. That's not really a thing. Can't see them. Can't be there. And they're like, <laughs> ignorance. Or apathy. Ah, it's all too hard. I'll just escape. Just watch that program a few more times and, and I'll just, you know, stay on the couch. I won't put the armor of God on. I won't learn how to resist. I won't fire up. Uh, and, and I'll live under that. So, so, so that, that's the way they can dominate you if you're a Christian, either ignorance or apathy. Uh, there's numbers of ways that they can access our life. They can only get into our life through, uh, through legal gateways. Uh, Ephesians 4 says this, verse 26 in the, in the Passion. Don't let the, the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Okay, this is what, uh, and then it goes on and says, uh, don't give the, the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Another verse says, don't let your anger give him a foothold. So this is why we spent two weeks dealing with sin and forgiveness. Because if we have anger in our heart and, and unforgiveness and pain, it actually leaves the door open or a foothold or a landing place for the enemy in our life. And you can have someone pray for you and he goes, but if that door is left open, it will come back. So we've spent two weeks really focusing in on repentance and owning our stuff and forgiving those who have hurt us and owning their stuff and releasing them so that the enemy's foothold is shut down and then we can move into what we're going to do today. Uh, repentance and forgiveness are the most difficult but most important way to live a life of continuous freedom on an ongoing basis. Uh, so, that, so sin's the big way the devil gets in to attract our life, generational things. So basically my grandfather's sin uh, can actually allow the devil to get in and until it's dealt with, it can flow down generation to generation. Uh, trauma can let the devil come in. Words that people speak, he can, like a surfer, ride on those words to try and attack me. People we spend time with, we can catch things, they rub off. Atmospheres you go into, every, every area has an atmosphere. Certain spirits will hang out in certain places and if you hang out there ignorant you can get stuff on you and come away going why am I why have I got this thing going on what you watch and listen to your windows are the eyes of your soul the Bible says so if you want whatever you're watching is letting things get into your soul whatever you're listening to whether it's music or things uh, people watch on TV watch highly sexualized stuff on TV thinking oh it's just TV and then wonder why they're struggling with lust ah uh, hello opening the door now I'm struggling. People watch, people watch horror movies and then go, nah, I'm, I'm really having problems with, uh, with fear. I go, duh, speaking of Homer Simpson, uh, just like that, that's connected. Oh, my kids have been watching all these sort of um, supernatural kind of programs, but they're having nightmares at night. I tell you, you're opening the door and you're letting stuff in. So you, you dads particularly, uh, just get something written on your, your head that just goes, not in my house. That stuff's not, I loved it when Kanye got saved. Uh, one of the things his wife said is he just moved all the kids' TVs and computers out of their rooms and we start and then it's not allowed to watch this stuff anymore. I'm like, hello, Kanye, you're stepping up to be the man of the house and saying not in my house because you know how the enemy has a Trojan horse to get into your world and into your house. Come on, somebody say not in my house. Not in my house. 
All right. Oh, keep going other ways. Okay, we have a thing called Encounter Day. And uh, if you've never done it, I'd love you to do it because it will help you realize access points of the enemy, how to close them, and then how to get free, and you'll find yourself come away a lot lighter. All right, how, uh, how they operate. How do I identify them? Oh my gosh, look at that time. Uh, to Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, Paul writes to Timothy. He's a young pastor, possibly 19, possibly 22, not sure. He's early 20s is, is what most scholars believe. Paul started the church. The, the best preacher of the New Testament, Apollos, was the next preacher. And then young 20-something-year-old Timothy comes along to lead a church of possibly 60,000 people, scholars estimate. Talk about intimidation. Talk about, oh my gosh, comparing myself, everybody. So Paul just writes, faith. Come on, Timothy, you've got this. Don't let people look down on you. You've got this. And he writes to him in his second letter to him, and he says, Timothy, I want you to stir in the flames the spiritual gift that God's given you. You've got gifts, but you're not using them, Timothy. God's got a purpose for you, but you're not operating in that purpose. Uh, you're, you're, you're sort of sitting back. And he said, I want you to know that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but love, power, and a sound mind. You know what's going on in Timothy's head? Uh, he's raised by his mother and his grandmother. His father wasn't a believer. So somewhere there's something missing in Timothy, Timothy's psyche that leads him to be a little bit more vulnerable to sincerity and religious thoughts. And I bet you he's starting to think, well, I, I'm not not going to put myself out there because I need to be more humble. I'm not going to do the things that I'm supposed to do because, well, I'm not feeling it. And maybe the feeling of a lack of confidence is just really the Holy Spirit trying to make me feel uh, not proud. And Paul writes, he says, God didn't give you that spirit. Don't go crediting God with something that's a demonic strategy against you to shut you down. It wasn't God. It's a spirit of intimidation and fear. So rise up confident to go into the future. You know what? Some of the greatest millionaires on the coast are going to come into this church and the enemy are going to be in this church and rise up in this church. And the enemy wants to come and say, oh, but wouldn't that be greed oriented? Uh, don't, don't believe that. Hey, don't sit down and settle back. If God is stirring you as a kingdom entrepreneur, rise up. So he said, God hasn't given you that. So in this series, I've talked about this, the big strong man we're coming against, the spirit of intimidation. Often goes with control, a Jezebel spirit that tries to shut you down, get you to sit down, get you to run away, get you to control your own life so that you don't get hurt again and maybe control other people's lives so they don't hurt you. So that's the big one we're going to come against real soon. Get ready. Get the baseball out. It's going to be, it's going to be powerful. But sometimes the, the other things have access to our life. Other, other demons. The Bible says there's a spiritual gift called the discerning of spirits. That means there's, there's different spirits that you can discern. Now, I don't want us to get hung up today on knowing exactly what the things are. I just think you, we can be specific, but we don't need to get hung up on, on things, all right? Uh, you, you, you can, what I find is particularly powerful when coming against spiritual opposition is if I see it as a thing with a name rather than just a generic thing that's out there. 
And so it's very useful for me to go, all right, well, I'm coming against the spirit of intimidation. It's a thing. It's an actual demon. And also, as a kid, I was rejected, and that thing as a teenager and the bullying, and so there's this spirit of rejection that makes me want to pull back. So I'm, I'm seeing that as a spirit that I'm pushing back and resisting off my life as well. Uh, and so I put up a little chart here, and I'll, I'll get us to put it up, of, of just that might help you recognize, because you can recognize, you can take a photo of this if it might help you. I've never felt more like a paparazzi as I've been in the first service, like phones everywhere, taking photos. You can recognize the, the root, the demon causing the problem by the fruit that you're experiencing. The fruit is the predominant thoughts and feelings that you're struggling with. And so often, not always, but often it's empowered or energized by a spirit. And so, for example, if you have dominating thoughts of guilt and unworthiness, then there may well be a a spirit of condemnation or a religious spirit that's causing you to always feel guilty. Uh, you might have that feeling, I don't belong or I'm unloved. That would be a spirit of rejection or self-pity. You know, it's not about exactly knowing. It's just knowing this is the feeling, and I'm going to say that spirit that causes rejection, that spirit of rejection, I'm coming against it. Uh, worry and anxiety could be a spirit of fear and tormenting. You struggle with depression or being overwhelmed. It could be a spirit of heaviness or a tormenting spirit. Continuous sickness or your body's not healing naturally could be a spirit of infirmity or affliction. You'll hear me pray for that a lot when I pray for people to get healed. Uh, you might struggle to prosper or break through financially. It might be your mindset's a religious mindset or it might be that a spirit of poverty is attached to you and your family. You might be anxious about money or obsessed with possessions and greed. A spirit of fear or mammon could be the struggle that you're you're dealing with. You could have continuous fighting and relationship issues, and it's a spirit of division or or a contentious spirit coming against your key relationships. Uh, It could be sexually impure thoughts and actions, a spirit of lust or unclean spirits. That's not a comprehensive list. I just want us to get a little bit of understanding. In addition to intimidation, trying to shut you down, Sometimes there's a secondary thing that's operating that goes hand in hand with that, and we're going to go after it. All right, so that, that, that's, that's how we identify. Now, let me just say this. It's not a science. It's a spiritual journey for God to bring some revelation. Just because you're struggling in an area doesn't mean it's demonized, because all of us have challenges. Uh, just because I'm sinning doesn't mean I can blame the devil. Oh, the devil made me do it. I'm not responding. No, no, no. If I'm sinning, the way to deal with that is I repent. If I'm being tempted to sin and I'm struggling with feelings, the way I deal with that is I bring it to the cross and I ask for the Holy Spirit to help me to resist. But if I can't seem to get the victory with those two things and there's a prevailing thing underneath it that seems empowered, then it may well be a spirit and that's what I need to resist and rebuke and come against. And all of those things work together. We're doing all right here today. All right, so the last thing is, well, how do I get rid of them? James 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, When you're dealing with demons, you don't need to plead with them. You don't need to talk to them. You don't need to beg them. You don't need to ask them. You don't need to argue with them. Uh, A good mental picture to have is if a child was getting attacked by a dog on its leg, how would you deal with the dog? You wouldn't go, go away, nice puppy. Then something would rise up inside of you and you'd go, 
Whatever you do, you'd yell at it, you'd try and scare it, you'd, you'd just rip it off, you'd, get, you'd deal with that thing to stop the damage. Demons are like dirty little dogs trying to ruin your life. And so that same sense of rising up is what we've got to rise up with against those things on the inside. You pray in tongues, you strengthen your spirit. And Jesus said this, Matthew 10 verse 1, uh, He gave His disciples authority to drive out. I love that. Drive them out. Often the Bible said that Jesus would would command in a loud voice a spirit to go. He would take authority over this. So this is what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to. I've got some sample prayers up here for us. They're not. It's not like a science. It's just samples. Again, you might want to take a photo. So the first one, I come against the spirit of intimidation and control. Remember, it's it's a demon. In the name of Jesus, that's the authority we have because Jesus has defeated every demon, and I resist you off my life. Go. This is the third step. You've prayed, repented, you've released. You just, you know, as often I just walk to the edge of the room and I'll go, uh, where I'm praying and I'll just say, I come against the spirit of infirmity and control in the name of Jesus and I take authority over you and I command you, go in Jesus' name. Then I turn my back on and I just move back to my praying. Not a long time. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Uh, the next one is another kind of prayer you can pray um, with some of those other spirits that we're talking about. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is the authority that you and I have. I bind the spirit of fear. I bind the spirit of rejection. I bind the spirit of lust, whatever it might be, coming against me. You have no authority or right in my life because I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. All right, or some of you are starting to get free or or a little nervy right now. So here we go. Uh, Someone once taught me that the shotgun approach is okay. That means you can name more things, and as long as you're taking out a few, it's all right. I once stood on an altar, a prayer line, and a, and a guy who moved in deliverance came down the prayer line, and I was like this. I'm like, you got nothing. I really, I was like, I was in the Kiwana Community Center. What's going to happen here? And he comes down the prayer line, and he, and he comes to me, and he goes, I break the spirit. And he named about four or five things, but the one I remember was control, because I'd, I'd been in a controlling church for a number of years. I break the spirit of control, and I went, ah! I like, started crying like a baby immediately. It was there, I didn't realize it was there, and, it's, and that began a journey of freedom for me. A moment of deliverance, but then you, it's not just a moment of deliverance, it's staying in that deliverance by resisting the enemy. And, and then this guy taught me, he said, oh, that was, I, was just, I was just naming things, I wasn't picking them all up. It was a shotgun approach and one hit something. It's like, all right, that's not a bad sort of strategy, that's cool. Takes the, takes the pressure off having to get it all exactly right. And the last thing that I want to say about this, and then we're going to do this together, Matthew 17, verse 21, Jesus said, sometimes this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You have the authority in the name of Jesus, but you, you, sometimes we encounter something that's particularly stubborn. Be like the police going to a house to evict a burglar. And some people just see the, the uniform and go, oh, I'm busted, and they leave because of the authority of the uniform causes them to go out. But sometimes the police might go and there's a whole bikey gang in there. 
and they don't respect the authority and they've got power and strength to overcome. So the police are like, all right, we need to get a whole lot of backup here. So not just with our authority, but we can overpower them. And that's what fasting does. You have the authority, but fasting with prayer increases your power to overcome deep things or strong men that you've been encountering for a period of time and then will bring breakthrough in your life. That's why next Monday, we're starting a seven-day period of of prayer and fasting with early morning prayer meetings at 6.15 to break the spirit of intimidation off your life, off our church and the other things that are with it. Are we okay? All right, stand up together right now. Put up that first one, I come against the Spirit. And we're going to say this together. I want you to close your eyes. Many of you, this is going to be the breakthrough moment of of freedom in your seat right here, right now. We're going to pray this prayer together. And I want you to see it like that dog that's attacking you with authority in the name of Jesus. And something's going to shift. So you don't plead, not soft, but with authority. Rise up on the inside. Spirit of God, come and strengthen your saints to get breakthrough in this place. Okay, are we ready? We're going to pray this prayer together. I'll, I'll pray it. You pray it after me. I come against the Spirit. I'm not scaring anything with that. Come on. I come against the spirit of intimidation and control. In the name of Jesus, I resist you off my life. Go in Jesus' name. Come on, give a shout to the Lord right now. Get it off. Break its power. Get off. Be free. Go, go, go in Jesus' name. Intimidation. Get off the people of God. We break your power. We break your authority. Loose. Be loosed in Jesus' name. All right. Part two, part two. Next, next screen. I want you to think of one of those things that stood out to you that you're struggling with. Probably if it's lust, not the one to yell out really loud in this particular moment. Do that privately. Whatever it might be, I'm going to choose rejection, okay? That's something I've prayed against and got freedom from. That's what, but you choose something, you're like, oh, this stood out at me, and name it in this, in this moment. Ready? Say after me, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of rejection, whatever it is, coming against me. You have no authority or rights in my life. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and I command you to go. Yes, Jesus' name. Come on, give him some praise. Oh, God. Yes, 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 yes. Freedom, 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 freedom in this place. Victory. Jesus. Amen. I have a little expression when I'm coaching people who are needing to grow in their warfare. I'm like, you just got to get the baseball bat out. If intruder came into the house, get that bat out. And he comes at your thoughts. He comes to take you down for six months. I'm telling you, Powerhouse Conference, Russell Evans, Mr. Connell Jr. What's his name? Lucas Connell. Lucas Connell, Powerhouse Conference, the end of July, six months. You are going to be so different because you've gone on a journey of freedom. You'll be a different person. Get the baseball bat out in Jesus' name.